Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Her body locked up and my eyes rolled to the back of her head and she stopped breathing. So I started doing CPR because the nurse immediately froze up. Black women and maternal health. The alarming statistics about how childbirth is costing black women their lives. We look at why the numbers are so bad. Then, what's wrong? And it's, I want my mommy. Why can't I have my mommy? Why did the doctors not protect my mommy? Why didn't they keep her alive? The candid conversation from mothers on the front lines talking about taking charge of your medical care when delivering your bundle of joy. When I'm talking to you, listen to what I'm saying. And... I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Hate speech double standard? Why some say anti-blackness is forgiven too quickly. Now you ain't no racist. That's my boy now, so we had a long talk. Plus, we're keeping up with the Karens. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. You know, the ones quick to call the police on black people for absolutely no reason. Where are they now? Do you feel like justice has been served for that incident? <sighs> That's tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Hey everyone, I'm Mara Escampo and welcome to the show. As we continue to highlight the important stories this Black History Month, we begin with a crisis affecting black women during what should be one of the most sacred moments of our lives, childbirth. But when we should be celebrating life, many families find themselves faced with death. Black women are more than three times more likely to die from childbirth than white women. And maternal mortality in this country has been going up over the last 20 years. The latest example, 31-year-old April Valentine, an otherwise healthy woman who went into a California hospital to deliver her baby girl on January 9th and was dead the very next day. This is her story told by those closest to her. Her pregnancy was great, like she had no problems. She wanted to be a mother real bad. That's all she talked about. Even on her vision board in her room, she had affirmations, you know, I will have a healthy pregnancy. I will have a healthy birth. You know, I will have all of these things that she really wanted. April Valentine did everything right. As her cousin, Mykeisha Mack, and her partner, Nyjah Robertson, told us, she even hired a certified doula, Stannis Askew, to advocate for her at the hospital and to help manage labor pains. She was seeking to have the most natural birth possible. Stannis met with April weekly during her pregnancy, monitoring her diet and water intake and exercising with her. We did yoga, meditation, walking. She was having a wonderful experience in her, in her pregnancy journey. The image of health with zero complications. April was scheduled to be checked and possibly induced on Monday, January 9th, after laboring at home over the weekend. She walked six miles on Saturday. Sunday, we did another four miles. Um, things were good. 
But when Monday arrived and April checked into Sentinella Hospital in Inglewood, California, her entire birth plan was derailed. All along, we had been in contact with the doctor since I had my certification through Fredula. The doctor had always said that we could have to support people and me as well. And then she called me back and she said, they're not going to let you in. April's initial fears crept back in, knowing the numbers. The National Center for Health Statistics reports that in 2020, the maternal mortality rate for black women was almost three times that of white women. And nationwide, maternal mortality has been increasing for the last 20 years. If these numbers were flipped around and white women were dying at the rate that black women are dying, it would be a national crisis. A crisis examined in the Hulu documentary Aftershock, directed by Tanya Lewis-Lee, who sat down with RBN correspondent Kennedy Rue. I think what happens often in hospitals, um, especially for those patients who don't have the resources, mm -hmm. we become the guinea pigs for the residents. And so what happens is, unfortunately, the people who have the least resources are treated by the people who have the least experience wow. because they're learning. Yeah. And the new statistic that just came out, it was that 60% of these deaths were preventable. But just recently it came out that 85% of these deaths are preventable. In April's case, there were signs of trouble almost immediately. After getting an epidural early Tuesday, she started complaining of leg pain for hours. She and Nija asked for the doctor 20 to 30 times as her symptoms got worse. All a nurse will tell us is that they can't call a doctor because the doctor was going to cuss them out and they're scared to call a doctor. The doctor get mad if they call her. Doctor finally comes in and from what I hear says, I just got off my boat. We don't care about your boat. You, you were supposed to be here. I know April was telling her like she don't feel comfortable. Her communication level was bad and was taking her so long. So Dr. Allen put a glove on her and shoved her hand inside April's vagina and snatched it out. And I guess, well, water and stuff went everywhere. Nigel says after breaking April's water without warning, Dr. Gwen Allen left her patient. That's when things went south fast. She was alert and talking. We was just planning on what we was gonna do with the baby when we got home. And then her eyes was just rolling and she looked like she was just doped up. So I told the nurse, I was like, what is this y'all giving her? It looked like she's doped up. The nurse was like, that's normal. Her body locked up and her eyes rolled to the back of her head and she stopped breathing. So I start doing CPR because the nurse immediately froze up at this time I'm telling the nurse to at least go outside and get some help. The nurse still never moved. So I ran, I stopped doing CPR in April, and I ran in the hallway and screamed for help. By this time, the nurse came to a little, and she put the oxygen mask on April's face, but she never turned the machine on. So she, I feel like she was just suffocating April. Nyjah says no nurses or staff helped him to resuscitate the mother of his child, and it was at least four minutes before Dr. Allen appeared again. She ran past me. Mind you, it's six, seven nurses in the room now. The doctor running in. 
Nobody's attempting to touch April. Nobody's did nothing. So the doctor ran in there and was like, give me a crash cart, give me a crash cart. Nobody still moved. They take her and try to roll it down the hallway. Dr. Allen screaming down the hallway, get me a knife, get me a knife. They running her down the hallway. Nobody's still putting no oxygen mask on her. Nobody's doing CPR while they running her down the hallway. We get through the double doors. We see a nurse handing Dr. Allen a knife. And she just sliced her stomach and just snatched the baby up out of her. By that point, April was already dead. Cousin Mikeisha arrived shortly thereafter. I get to the room and uh, I see her dead body there. And immediately I just, I wail, you know, I wail because it was just surreal. They didn't do a proper assessment. They didn't see what was really causing the leg pain. Instead, they just gave her pain medicine. Licensed vocational nurse and April's friend, Kimberly Kimbrough, says there was clear neglect. Her nurses did not advocate for her as a patient. When she said she came in with leg pain, they should have assessed her. And even beyond that, when she asked for her doctor, they should have made sure that they contacted that doctor and that doctor should have been there for her. Centinella Hospital opened in 1924 and was purchased by Prime Healthcare Services in 2007. The now private hospital has seen its fair share of litigation. And even though Inglewood residents use the hospital, the county has little to no jurisdiction over what happens inside because it's privately owned. Census data tells us that the Inglewood population is 49% Hispanic and 40% Black. We reached out to Sentinella Hospital and they said, quote, due to patient privacy laws and HIPAA, we are unable to discuss the care and treatment of specific patients, but we can share that we are committed to delivering compassionate quality care to all patients. She lost her, her life unnecessarily. My cousin. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. didn't have to lose her life. Let's make that very clear. That's right. Now, the family is asking the state to conduct an independent investigation. We reached out to Dr. Allen and got no response. We've heard countless of stories about Sentinella's neglectful practices. So one, we want an independent investigation done on this hospital. Two, we want the um, Dr. Gwen Allen. We want her license. You make an oath. You make an oath to take care of the patients in your care. Number one, we definitely want the nurse's license. We want the doctor's license. Um, but I really want reform for this hospital. Beautiful baby Anaya is a healthy four-week-old baby girl being raised by dad Nija and their combined families. Anaya will never know her mother, but she'll always carry her name, Heavenly April. She reminded me of her mama so much, and I know April would have loved her. I know she would have loved her. That's all she wanted. When we come back, a frank conversation with a group of women who have witnessed this problem firsthand. Why are black mothers neglected and dismissed so often, and what can we do about it?
During the 1800s, James Marion Sims created the field of gynecology by conducting surgical experiments exclusively on enslaved women. He operated on them without anesthesia, even though it was available, based off of the racist belief that black women were immune to pain. That's a scene from the 1619 Project on Hulu, which delves into both black maternal death and infant mortality. The statistics on each are so often repeated that they can lose their shock value. But joining me today are a group of women who are refusing to stay silent about this problem. Health equity advocate Wanda Irving and certified midwife Angelina Ruffin-Alexander. Thank you both for being here. So, Wanda, I'll start with you because you have a very personal connection to this issue. What happened with your daughter? My daughter, uh, Shalon Irving, was um, a brilliant woman. She was an epidemiologist, lieutenant commander in the U.S. Public Health Service. And at 35, she gave birth on January 3rd and January 28th. We said goodbye to her. And what happened in between when she gave birth and when she went home? Three weeks when she should have been enjoying her daughter and improving health, but just three or four days after giving birth, she started having complications. She called her doctor. She went in to see her doctor numerous times during that three weeks. She gained nine pounds in that last week of her life. She was retaining water. She had swollen limbs, and her, high, her blood pressure was so high that when she went in that last time on January 24th, the nurse had to take it twice um, because she thought the machines were off. My daughter begged for her to please get the doctor so that she could see what was going on because the nurse wasn't really helpful. And uh, the nurse went out, left her there for about 45 minutes and came back and said the doctor was too busy, but here's some, here's some blood pressure medicine. Come back when you, if you're not feeling well. That day, um, it was about 5 o'clock. By the time we got home, um, I had stopped to get her medicine. She took her pills, and within 35, 40 minutes, she collapsed and never regained consciousness again. Now, your daughter said that there was something wrong. She knew that there was something wrong. This is something that we have heard from the loved ones of April Valentine, that she kept saying there was something wrong. We've even heard it from celebrities like Serena Williams saying that mm -hmm. she told her doctors that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And black women are so often dismissed and ignored. Why do you think that when black women are saying there is something wrong, we are not being given the same care and attention that other patients are given? I think that is um, primarily because of racism. And it is built into the foundation of healthcare in America. Ever since Marion Sims and Ephraim McDonald and people in that era, it started with um, doing all of these, these operations on slaves. The curriculum is still the same. It's not. It's not taught through a social justice lens at all. It's taught through the fact that black women are expendable. And we don't get the same respect and the same value. They don't listen, they don't hear, they don't believe, and they don't act because we're not important enough for them to act. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's a lack of trust. 
you know, we no longer can trust the doctor to believe us. We no longer can trust the nurses to hear us. So, so many times we hear all the time, they're not listening to me. And that's the ongoing theme. They're just not listening. Now, you're a certified midwife. A lot of women now are seeking midwives and doulas and yes. other advocates because they don't trust um, doctors in the hospital system. Can you just educate us a little bit on that? What is the difference between a midwife and a doula? Um, your doula is going to be your emotional support, sometimes your physical support. So this is the person who can help you advocate for yourself when we're going into the hospital setting or even a home setting or birth center setting. Someone who can be there and say, hey, remember what we talked about, what you wanted. Let's talk about that with your provider. Now the midwife, she is going to pay attention to your health, more of the medical side of things. So she is catching the baby. She's making sure your labs are correct. She's making sure um, you are seeing the other end. Baby is breathing, you're breathing, your blood pressure is okay. So in April Valentine's case, mm -hmm. she had a doula that she mm -hmm. had been working with all, all the way up until she went to the hospital. And the hospital denied her doula Absolutely. access to be with her. So what are your options if the hospital then says no? So whoever is able to come with you, whether it is your mother or your spouse or whoever, you have that doula, you have that midwife or whoever train you and teach you the words that need to be said, give you the verbiage that needs to jolt somebody's attention so they pay attention to you. And to that end, we've seen that even education and income don't really make much of a difference when it comes to this issue. That statistically, a black woman with multiple degrees has about the same outcomes as a white woman with an eighth grade education or without even a high school diploma. That's so right. you can't educate your way out of this. You no. can't earn your way out of this. So what advice would you give to black women? We've got to change legislation. We've got to get more doctors that look like us mm -hmm. in the pipeline. We've got to just advocate for perhaps, a, what would you call it, like a professional code of conduct for doctors because there's got to be some accountability. There hasn't been. Doctors are killing us and they're walking away to do it to someone else. They have to be held accountable. Angelina, I want to ask you about solutions. What do you think needs to happen to address this problem? We need more midwives, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but coming from the midwives. Yeah. Um, but we need more people to listen. And that is first and foremost. And making sure people understand, when I'm talking to you, listen to what I'm saying. Don't look at me and already make up your story about what you think is going on. Um, and the more doulas. It, accept our doulas, you know, when they're coming in to support us. It's taking work off of you, actually. Um, now, Wanda, your daughter did, did not make it, but your granddaughter did, and she just had a birthday. Mm -hmm. How is she doing? <sighs> My granddaughter just turned six, and so she's in kindergarten, which is making it a lot more difficult for her now than it was before. She has me, and she thought, well, that's family. That's what it's supposed to be like. But now that she's in kindergarten and she sees other kids with mommies, it, it breaks her heart. And there are so many times where she comes in and she's just in tears. And it's like, well, what's wrong? And it's, I want my mommy. I miss my mommy. Can I die and go to heaven so I can be with my mommy? It's like, mm. no, baby, you, you can't. You have to stay with grandma now. Well, why can't I have my mommy? Why did the doctors not protect my mommy? Why didn't they keep her alive so I'd have my mommy too? And it's those kinds of questions that, that keep me going, that keep me doing what I do. Because 
Children deserve to have a mother's love. They deserve to grow up. Mothers deserve to grow up and have their children and to raise their children. I'm 70 years old. I shouldn't be raising a six-year-old. Her mother should be here doing that. Her mother would have been here doing that if she had been heard, if she had been listened to, if she hadn't been dismissed. Uh -uh. It's something that's going to stay with her throughout her entire life, and it will color the way her life trajectory goes and how her children will grow up because... She hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. She, she has that hole in her heart that she will always have and it will be, it will come out. Studies show that it changes the DNA of a child. And that means that her children are going to be affected by the trauma that she's going through now. It's that generational trauma. Absolutely. I am so sorry for what your family has been through, but thank you for the work that you are doing to continue to make this an issue a priority. And thank you for the work that you're doing with so many mothers. Thank, thank you both you. for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Another important aspect of this issue is infant mortality rate. Black infants have the highest infant mortality rate in the country and they are almost twice as likely to die as white infants. Joining us now to share her story is nurse Skye Collins. Skye, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Sky, you have your baby with you. We can see um, her beautiful little head. Yes. Congratulations on your newborn. Thank you. <laughs> I'm um, trying to hide her a little bit. But before this joy that came into your life, you suffered a very serious tragedy. Tell us what happened with the twins that you carried. Yes, yeah, so in 2019, um, I lost my identical twin boys. Um, I was a high-risk pregnancy. I had to get a cerclage, which is a, a surgical stitch they place in your cervix to prevent uh, preterm labor. In January of 2019, I was feeling some cramping and just some things that were abnormal. So I went to the hospital, my local hospital, and um, I checked in and um, I said, you know, I'm feeling some cramps and I feel like I'll be going into labor. Um, they put me in a wheelchair and as soon as I was rolled out of the waiting room, um, the nurse asked me if I can walk to my room and I told her, no, I cannot. I'm not in a position to walk. Once I got in my room, they did not check me for um, any infection. I didn't get an ultrasound. The nurse did a cervical check, uh, which she didn't 
I feel like she wasn't confident in it. She didn't really know what she was doing too much. Um, I kept asking her if, you know, you can call the doctor, what the doctor has to say, because I'm, I'm not feeling good. It was really late, and she said the doctor do not want to be called late um, for something that's not an emergency. I told her this is an emergency, so I um, was discharged. And when I got home, the cramps just, they went severe. So I drove myself 25 minutes on the freeway to another hospital. Uh, within that, that drive, I was in excruciating pain. I couldn't even walk straight. I was like hunched over walking to the emergency room. They immediately checked me in, did an ultrasound, did some tests, and they found out that um, I was indeed in full-blown labor and um, I had an infection. And everything happened so fast and so quick that um, when they checked my cervical, my, my cervix, I was six centimeters dilated. Because I was already that much dilated, they were not able to cut that cervical stitch in my cervix. So I had to give birth to two twin boys naturally with that stitch still in my cervix. So it was really painful. Um, I, I hemorrhaged. Um, we found out I did have a blood infection, so that kept me in a hospital way longer than I want it to be and um yeah the whole experience was extremely uh traumatic and it's a day that i won't ever forget i'm i'm so sorry that you went through that and i'm so sorry for the loss of your boys you're a nurse so knowing what you went through what did they do wrong or what did they not do right when i went in i didn't have they didn't do any urine tests um no blood test so um i think have have they would have ran those tests, they would have caught that I was, I had an infection. Um, they would have caught that my membranes, my membranes were ruptured. Um, it could have done something about it. Um, unfortunately, they did not do their due diligence and, you know, I suffered the consequences. So, you know, I'm a nurse now. So now I know asking me to walk, um, was wrong knowing that I was a high-risk pregnancy and I had that stitch in my cervix that was just negligent at the time I didn't know anything like you know know too much and they took advantage of me not knowing and just pretty much just threw all the rules out of you know all the rules out the window what was it like for you to be pregnant and to have to give birth in a hospital setting after everything you've been through every day I thought something was going to happen um, but I can say because of what happened with me, with my twins, um, it really gave me that urge to advocate for myself. So when I had her the day I went into labor, I was really afraid, not because of the pain, but just because I'm thinking like, I hope, you know, no one kills me or my baby. That's, that's raw, but that's the, the genuine feeling of a black woman being, you know, going into labor in today's America. So it, it was really rough. So then what advice would you give other black women based on everything you've been through and everything that you've learned? What would you say to other expectant mothers? I think with growing up and going to the doctors, um, we're always, um, you know, think of doctors of having like God complexes and we're, we're scared to ask questions. 
Um, but I would say always ask questions and always just advocate for yourself and just be, be aware and be alert. And if you feel uncomfortable about anything, about any doctor or any medical profession, if they make you uncomfortable and you don't like the care, then you go, you go somewhere else because you deserve the best care. We do deserve the best care. That is a great way to end mm -hmm. this conversation. Sky, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations again on your baby girl. Thank you, Mara. Thank you everyone for having me. I really appreciate it. Now to what seems to be a double standard in how we respond to hate speech. Kanye West was recently canceled after making repeated hateful anti-Semitic statements, as he should have been. But what happens when celebrities are openly anti-Black? Vaguely, I remember it started with a tweet, strange tweet. It was like, um, I'm feeling a little sleepy. <laughs> I'm gonna give me some rest, but when I wake up, I'm gonna go DEFCON 3 <laughs> on the Jews. And things definitely didn't get any better. For weeks, Kanye continued talking, tweeting, and posting anti-Semitic remarks, justifiably leading to calls for him to be canceled. And eventually, Ye was indeed canceled. Multiple brands, social media, even his bank severed ties with Ye. He said, I can say anti-Semitic things, and Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Adidas dropped that immediately. There's no debate that anti-Semitism should face swift and severe consequences. But the near-universal condemnation of Kanye led some to wonder why anti-blackness is often so easily dismissed and forgiven. Take anti-blackness from Kanye himself. From his comments about slavery being a choice to wearing a White Lives Matter shirt, some were calling for Kanye to be canceled. Kanye West does not care about black people. But even after all of that, Ye continued to achieve success. One of the things that I admire about the Jewish community is that there's no wiggle room when it comes to anti-Semitic rhetoric. There's half, you will not find half of the Jewish population saying, it is okay to call us that name. You won't find that at all. They are all reading from the same book on the same page, okay? We as black people don't, we can't even figure out what to call ourselves. Some of us wanna be black. Some of us wanna be African-American. Some of us just wanna be the N-word. We can't even decide on how to refer to ourselves, much less, you know, hold each other accountable. Recently, a photo of 14-year-old Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones emerged, showing him standing among a group of white teenagers who were blocking six black students from desegregating his Arkansas high school. Widespread outrage was nowhere to be found. I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Some data suggests... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 
suggests that black apathy towards anti-black rhetoric may even keep the cycle going. We also have to connect the dots because Jerry, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, is also the same person who said to his players, the Dallas football, Cowboy football players, if you do what other players are doing around the Colin Kaepernick protests, you're going to be in trouble, which, in, which is why a lot of people believe that professional football is the closest sport to a plantation mentality. You feel what I'm saying? And so, but then here comes Stephen A. Smith, who is my friend, and I've known Stephen for a long time, my brother, saying, I don't think Jerry Jones is racist, which is giving him a pass. He doesn't deserve what just happened. Prior to, you know, post-Civil Rights America, at least in the black community, you had a sense of pride in the community. And that's been lost in a lot of places, a kind of solidarity. Now it's kind of like in the last 30, 40 years, it's like everybody goes for themselves. And I think that's really the fundamental question for a lot of us in the 21st century. That's where we are. You may remember, your, the viewers will remember that a few years back, uh, Dylan Roof, who shot up a black church while the black folks were praying in the church. And one of the things that struck me the most when that happened was how quickly black folks forgave who had shot him up. I'm not saying, you know, I don't believe in being vindictive. I don't believe in like, I wish anything bad on anyone. That's just not how many of us are raised. So I think that's part of who we are, where we, there's a forgiveness that is built into us, a sense of spirituality, morality that's built into us. But I think that we don't understand it's important to take a breath for a second. Can we actually take a moment and see that he, if he is he actually on a path of redemption, you know, and taking an account for what he did and how damaging it was. We're now 23 years into this new century what exactly is happening here? Like, what are the rules? Do we have any rules? Are there any guidelines? Are there any boundaries? You know, who's a part of the conversation? In 2014, a video showing a 15-year-old Justin Bieber telling a racist joke was leaked. Why are black people afraid of chainsaws? Don't even say it. Don't say it. <laughs> did you hear the joke? Yeah, I heard that. What, what did you think? Of, I mean, did that offend you or did you think it was funny or? That was, oh, I talked to him. I called him yesterday. Yeah. After I saw that, I talked to him. I asked him what it was about. He said it was old. He was younger. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We all slip up sometimes. We all make mistakes. That same year, another video emerged of a 14-year-old Justin Bieber not only saying the N-word, but singing it while referencing murder and joining the KKK. There's gonna be one less nigga. If I kill you, I'll be part of the KKK. Justin apologized for his use of offensive language on Instagram. But since then, Bieber has broken several industry records and most recently sold his music catalog for more than $200 million. In 2021, country music's biggest rising star, Morgan Wallen, was caught on tape saying the N-word. Hey, Gracie, take care of this at the time, Wallen's music was pulled from radio stations and streaming platforms, and his label suspended his recording contract indefinitely. One thing I've learned already is, I'm specifically sorry for, is that it matters. My words matter. But after apologizing, Wallen's fallout within the music industry was short-lived. He went on to have the best-selling album of 2021, and other artists quickly moved past it too. I ain't no racist, that's my boy, now, so we had a long talk. When no. I say you ain't cast, you ain't cast. Anti-black rhetoric has long been accepted in this country, including in advertising, past and present. A simple Google search for antique or vintage items leads to racist propaganda like these salt and pepper shakers, still available for purchase. Racism breeds very dysfunctional behavior in any community, that, and ours is not excluded from that. Are we doing anything? Are we just kind of being consistently 
it's like the metaphorical mammy for America where y'all just come on and, and lay your head on our breast and we'll take care of you. Well, who's take care, taking, taking care of black people? Who's taking care of black people? And speaking of anti-blackness, when we come back, we're keeping up with the Karens. Yes, I'm talking about all those women who made headlines for harassing black people just trying to live life. Did they ever face any consequences? Welcome back. Remember the Karens? Central Park Karen, Barbecue Karen, it's a very long list. Well, whatever happened to them? Did they just go back to regular life like nothing ever happened? Correspondent Kennedy Rue has been keeping up with the Karens. African-American man. No, I'm not letting him walk away with my phone. I'm asking you if this is your property. She's harassing me. Ultimately, I've tried to make it positive and happily it's turned out that way. I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. The man who stared down the barrel of Amy Cooper's weaponized phone in May of 2020 has since used the encounter for good. How did that incident change the course of your life? It gave me an opportunity to talk about a lot of things that I think needed to be talked about. The bias, the undercurrent of bias that runs through everything here. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. As for Central Park Karen's life since the attack, one day after she called the police on Christian Cooper, who had asked her to leash her dog in an area of Central Park requiring a leash, Amy was fired from elite asset management firm Franklin Templeton. Thank you. Miss Cooper was charged with a misdemeanor for falsely reporting an incident, and according to People, that charge was dropped in February of 2021 after she completed five psychoeducation and therapy sessions. Then, in May of 2021, the former portfolio manager filed a lawsuit against Franklin Templeton, alleging, among other things, that the firm fired her on basis of race and sex. In September of 2022, the 43-year-old's lawsuit was dismissed after the judge ruled that she was not wrongfully terminated. Do you feel like justice has been served for that incident? <sighs> That's a hard question to answer. Um, I, I understand the folks who, you know, felt the need that you know, there needed to be more done because or a legal precedent set. And then, you know, another part of me is like her life imploded. You know, if those consequences are not enough to deter people, then what is? Wow, not something I've seen in my life. Fully moving forward, Christian's passion, bird watching, is taking him all over the world. National Geographic's Extraordinary Birder will premiere this spring it'll maybe open a lot of young kids' eyes, black kids' eyes, to say, yeah, this is something I can do too. Because, you know, if we see it, then we can imagine it. Show me so this is my phone. Show me, no. You don't have to explain no. nothing to her. The case off, that's mine. Literally, you can get it back. You better go use, find, find my iPhone. Go yeah, do that. find my iPhone is off. Can you see two black people? No, I'm not letting him walk away with my phone. In December of 2020, 22-year-old Mia Ponsetto falsely accused a 14-year-old boy of stealing her phone in the lobby of a New York hotel. A month later, she defended herself on CBS This Morning. Do you believe that you should pay a price for this? I don't feel that my accusation is a, is a, is a crime. But it's more than the accusation. It's the way that you tackled him. In reality, she left her phone in an Uber. 
Then in April of 2022, to avoid jail time, Ponsetto pleaded guilty to hate crime charges and is currently serving two years of probation in her home state of California. But if, it, if I did live here and it was my property, this would be absolutely fine. And you don't know if I live here or if this is my property. We actually do know. That's why we're asking. Oh, really? California Karen Lisa Alexander suffered professionally after accusing James Juanillo of vandalism. He was painting Black Lives Matter on his own property in June of 2020. Skincare line LaFace, for which Lisa was the CEO, was dropped by Birchbox, who tweeted, they officially cut ties with LaFace and condemns the actions of Lisa Alexander. And while the skincare line website was removed for a time, it is now back up and running. Lisa's partner, Robert Larkins, who's also in the viral video, was fired from wealth management company, Raymond James. Yeah, I'd like to report that someone is illegally using a charcoal grill in a non-designated area. I went home that day and I cried. It's illegal to have a charcoal grill in the park here. The media painted her as like, like all you seen was her. You, they never talked about the victims. Kenzie Smith was part of the group harassed by Jennifer Schultz, AKA Barbecue Becky, for three and a half hours and says that he had to go to therapy as a result. But still, he tried to take the high road. I walked to her house and I knocked on her door and I left her a note. I had told her I forgive her for everything that she did. I never have heard from this woman. But he has heard a higher calling. I ran for city council right after the barbecue Becky situation. I lost about 500 points. He'll run again in 2026. The very effective Oakland community activist was awarded his own day by the mayor. And the grilling incident helped to create San Francisco's Karen Act. Cleverly standing for caution against racially... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Expletative non-emergencies. You can actually now, you know what I'm saying, you know reverse the effect of someone calling the police on you. <laughs> Man, like, what was that when I needed it? <laughs> we are holding their feet to the fire. All right, keep it right here. There's a lot more on Revolt Black News Weekly coming up after the break. We end the show tonight reflecting on the importance of talking about black maternal health and the need to advocate for ourselves. You've heard the struggles from those women and their families who have had to deal with this issue and with fighting medical providers. We hope you've come away feeling empowered to continue fighting for black women and our babies through education, advocacy, and demanding accountability. Well, that wraps it up for us. I am Mara Escampo. Thank you for being with us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and don't forget to download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everybody.
Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.